Welcome to the Ego Sumvia podcast with me, Father Andrew Eber. And as always, I invite you to begin by joining with me in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, take away from me whatever keeps me from you. My Lord and my God, give to me whatever brings me to you. My Lord and my God, Free me from myself, that I may give you all I am. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you, for some reason, happen to find yourself in New York, walking down the west side of Fifth Avenue, and you went into a grand triple-arch stone building, and then up to the reading room on the third floor, you might, if you were very fortunate, be able to find a small copper globe, a map of the world. And if you were to spin that globe round to the east coast of Asia, you would find on it, inscribed in Latin, the words Hic sunt draconis, here be dragons. Because this would be the Hunt Lomax globe, which dates from around the year 1510, and which is the only map in the entire world which actually says the words, Here be dragons. I was thinking about those words this week, uh, because this week, as I'm sure you know, Holy Mother Church has been celebrating a very important feast for this country, a solemnity, in fact, which is the Solemnity of St. George, martyr and patron of England, and, according to legend, slayer of dragons. Now I have to say, for me, St. George is an important and attractive figure. Devotion to him is an important and even fascinating aspect of the history of the faith in this country. And unlike the Hunt Lomax Globe, for example, St. George is not an historical curiosity. We should be clear about this. He is not an historical curiosity, but a saint of the Church, living even now to intercede for us and for the whole country that has been entrusted to him. Now, alas, it's true that devotion to St. George has waned in our times, where once there was a great stack of material about St. George fanned by popular medieval books, in modern times, the pendulum has swung rather in the opposite direction, to the extent that some people will claim we actually know next to nothing about him. In fact, we know quite a lot. We know, for example, that St George was martyred in the Holy Land at Lydda, a town about 30 miles northwest of Jerusalem, which had originally been evangelised by St Peter, and he was almost certainly martyred in the terrible persecution by the Emperor Diocletian, in around the year 303. The feast day of St George has always been celebrated from the very earliest times on April the 23rd, and so it's pretty certain that his martyrdom did in fact take place on that day. We know that the Diocletian persecution was particularly aimed at rooting out Christianity and the armed forces, and that again makes it fairly certain that George was indeed an army officer an officer in the Roman army, as later accounts testify. So George is one of the military saints, 
Saints who exemplify the military virtues of loyalty, courage and obedience to your superior officers, but saints who then recast those virtues, who turn those virtues on their head, if you like, but in doing so, perfect them. For these saints, their unflinching loyalty is not to the emperor, but to God. Their obedience is not to superior officers, but to the call of Christ. And their courage is shown not against invading armies, but in resisting the tyranny of secular powers, who would insist that we bow down to them and not to Christ. And that preeminence of the call of Christ is all part of the lesson St George still has to offer us today. Within 200 years of his martyrdom, there was a steady stream of pilgrims to Lydda visiting his chapel and the column where he was scourged. And by the Middle Ages, St. George had become the patron saint of England, and the English church ordered his feast day to be celebrated with the same solemnity as Christmas Day. And that's worth pondering for a moment. Celebrated with as much solemnity as Christmas Day. For many centuries, St. George's Day was a holy day obligation for English Catholics, and it's surely a shame that this is not still the case, just as St. Patrick's Day, for example, is in Ireland, or the feet of St. James the Great is in Spain, where he's the patron saint. And it's also from the Middle Ages that many of the legends associated with George date. This was an age so very different from ours. You know, in the Middle Ages, if you wanted to be sure of writing a bestseller, it was just as well to write about saints. How times have changed. Anyway, the great example of this kind of book from the Middle Ages is the Golden Legend, the Legenda Aurea, which is a collection of saints' lives compiled by the Archbishop of Genoa in the 13th century, which actually became one of the most popular books throughout all Europe. I think there's over a thousand copies of this manuscript, which is amazing, and which is one of the first printed books in this country. And it is the Golden Legend which has the classic account of St. George and the Dragon, though the, the icon of St. George and the Dragon probably goes back many centuries earlier. Now, I recognise that the story of George and the Dragon is sometimes dismissed as a fairy tale, a kind of gaudy, slightly tacky product of medieval ignorance. But I have to say, I like this story. There's an obvious allegorical element of the story, the damsel in distress is a symbol of the suffering church, delivered from the persecution at the hands of the devil, who is represented by the dragon. And the existence of the allegory itself reminds us of how hard-pressed the church was in those ferocious persecutions of the early centuries. But I think also the point is that even the most romantic tales of St George's life reveal something about the devotion of the people our forebears who venerated him, and also reveal a certain truth about the saint himself, and even again about that preeminence of the call of Jesus Christ. Take the dragon, for example. Now nearly all of us, I'm sure, will be familiar with the image of St. George poised high on his horse, with the dragon squirming below on the end of his lance. But that dramatic image really only illustrates the first half of the story 
of George and the Dragon. Not quite so many of us perhaps are familiar with the second half of the story, in which St George leads the wounded dragon back into the city, the home of the damsel in distress. There the terrified people beg him to finish the dragon off. But George has a condition for them. He says, Believe ye in God, in Jesus Christ, and do ye be baptised, and then, then I shall slay the dragon. Well, of course, given that choice, they agree pretty quickly, and a mass conversion ensues. But the story shows that, even in the midst of dragon fighting, there is always time to evangelise. And that's the priority for medieval chroniclers, the preeminence of Jesus Christ. George is not just a knight errant or a model of knightly courtesy. George is a martyr and an evangelist. Even in the wildest tales connected with him, faith in Jesus Christ is up front and central. So for myself, I don't really see a problem with the inclusion of all this bravado and daring do. It's not as if there's any pressure on us to emulate the saintly ability to kill dragons, to emulate the swordsmanship or the military prowess. What actually we are encouraged to emulate is the faith with which those skills are exercised. In other words, it's not the ability with the sword that matters. It's the decision to devote that ability to the glory of God. All of us can deploy whatever talents we have, large or small, to the glory of God and for the good of his holy church. All of us, by the same token, can seek to cultivate, especially in desperate times, those virtues of the military saints like George. So perhaps then this current crisis, with all its anxieties, its sufferings and its dangers, these dragons of men in various kinds, perhaps this current crisis is also in its own way an opportunity, inviting us to pray for those same ancient and holy virtues of courage and loyalty and obedience to God. And perhaps too we are invited to discover that, even as we battle dragons, you and I, like St George, can still evangelise, and in the midst of darkness, can still proclaim the light of Christ. St George of England, pray for us. Gospel for this third Sunday of Easter and my homily. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Two of the disciples of Jesus were on their way to a village called Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking together about all that had happened. Now, as they talked this over, Jesus himself came up and walked by their side, but something prevented them from recognising him. He said to them, What matters are you discussing as you walk along? 
They stopped short, their faces downcast. Then one of them, called Cleopas, answered him, You must be the only person staying in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have been happening there these last few days. What things? he asked. All about Jesus of Nazareth, they answered, who proved he was a great prophet by the things he said and did in the sight of God and of the whole people, and how our chief priests and our leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death and had him crucified. Our own hope had been that he would be the one to set Israel free. And this is not all. Two whole days have gone by since it all happened, and some women from our group have astounded us. They went to the tomb in the early morning, and when they did not find the body, they came back to tell us they had seen a vision of angels who declared he was alive. Some of our friends went to the tomb and found everything exactly as the women had reported, but of him they saw nothing. Then he said to them, You foolish men, so slow to believe the full message of the prophets. Was it not ordained that the Christ should suffer and so enter into his glory? Then, starting with Moses and going through all the prophets, he explained to them the passages throughout the scriptures that were about himself. When they drew near to the village to which they were going, he made as if to go on, but they pressed him to stay with them. It is nearly evening, they said, and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Now, while he was with them at table, he took the bread and said the blessing. Then he broke it and handed it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. But he had vanished from their sight. Then they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us? as he talked to us on the road, and explained the scriptures to us. They set out that instant and returned to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven assembled together with their companions, who said to them, Yes, it is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then they told their story of what had happened on the road, and how they had recognized him at the breaking of bread. The Gospel of the Lord. This Sunday's Gospel of the disciples meeting Jesus on the road to Emmaus is a favourite for many people. Christ explains to the disciples his presence in sacred scripture. Starting with Moses and going through all the prophets, he explained to them the passages throughout the scriptures that were about himself. What a lesson! That must have been. What a privilege for those disciples, walking beside their friend and teacher. The Gospel is a reminder that, as the Catechism teaches us, beside the presence of Christ in the Holy Eucharist, there is nothing that the Church honours more reverently than Christ's presence in Sacred Scripture. And that presence of Christ in Sacred Scripture is, of course, a presence that we are not denied right now. Despite the restrictions that we are living under, we can still enjoy and be nourished by this encounter. We can still, as we read the Bible, walk with Jesus on the road to Emmaus.
Now, I think that, humanly speaking, one of the important things about life under coronavirus, under lockdown, is having a routine. And the absence of routine can be filled by all kinds of unhealthy behaviour, whether it is too much watching of news, or too much grazing of food, or too much brooding in anxiety. But as St. Francis de Sales taught, the existence of routine is a great enabler of the spiritual life. So I do urge you to pay attention to your routine, but also to include the spiritual life within it. Don't wait for the urge to pray, but include that in your routine, in your diary, and also include a bit of scripture. Because we still have, as I say, that opportunity to walk with the Lord in Holy Scripture. Of course, we have to be willing to listen, we have to be open to his word, and we have to be willing to read with the heart and not just with the mind. After all, as today's gospel shows, even those disciples who walked with him on the day of the resurrection did not immediately recognize him. But if we are willing to listen, and if we are open to his word, then as we read, our hearts will still burn within us, just as the hearts of the disciples did on that first Easter Sunday. So let us, on this Sunday, this third Sunday of Easter, thank God for the gift of sacred scripture. And let us, as we are able, take advantage of this opportunity to renew our friendship with Jesus Christ, who even now is walking beside us, trying to teach us, trying, as always, to share with us his presence in our lives. Amen. So as we come to the end of this podcast, thank you so much for being with me. As always, do get in touch with any comments or questions you have, any suggestions you might have for topics we ought to cover. And I'll upload another episode next Sunday and look forward to joining you then. Let's end then, as we always should do, with the prayer of our Lord. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>